0: Hey guys, good to see you. Welcome again to RUF. So glad that you are here. Um, Especially if this is your first time or one of your first times here at RUF. Really glad that you're here. And I know there's a lot going on. I know there's a lot of places that you could be. And so grateful that you um, are here with us tonight. Um, We are going to be looking at the Bible as we do at RUF. And the reason why we do that is not because this is like a club and this is like just one of the things that our club does. Um, But we actually think that God has something to say to each of us. So I know that each of us comes in tonight just with a different story, with a different week. We came up in different kinds of families and we have different experiences with God. Some of us have had a lot of experience with God and the Bible. Some of us have had very little um, I was—I had had basically none when I was a sophomore in college, and I came to RUF for the first time, and God had something to say to me. So I'm hoping that He'll have something to say to each of us. But we are looking at the Gospel of Mark, this eyewitness account of Jesus' life, and uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter four tonight. Um, One thing is true of of all of us um, in this room, even though almost all of us are students at Wake Forest, some of us are 38 and some of us are nine. So we're not all students here at Wake Forest. But one thing that is true about each of us is that um, we are beset by fears and anxieties all the time. Sometimes they feel very strong in our lives, our fears. Sometimes they feel diminished and everything feels okay. But this afternoon, um, I was out on the quad, and I saw some people that I knew. So I went to talk to them. I said, what are you afraid of? And someone immediately said, spiders and letting people down. And I was like, I can vibe with both of those. And it made me wonder, if it came down to it, like, your friend had to be picked up from the airport, and you were running late, but there was a spider in your car. Like, what would the hierarchy of fears be? Um... But I I wonder if I asked you what you are afraid of. What are you anxious about out there in the future? Um, And I I bet each of us could answer that in some way. A a way to think about what we're afraid of um, would be to say, what if it happens, I knew I would be okay? Like, if this thing happens, I know that I'm going to be okay. And if this thing doesn't happen, then I'm not going to be okay. That's a way of sort of understanding and expressing our fears and anxieties. And I think Jesus in the scripture has something to say to us in our fear. And so that means he has something to say to each of us here, whether we are sort of interested in him or not. And so I'm going to read from Mark chapter four. What I want to invite you to do, um, even if this feels a little bit uncomfortable, is I want to invite you to take a moment of silence and To pray and speak to God through your heart and ask Him to help you to see what it is that you are afraid of. What is that thing that you're like, if this thing happens, I won't be okay, or if this thing doesn't happen, I won't be okay, if I get this or I don't get this? Uh, Even if you're like, I don't buy this God thing, just give it a shot. And then I'm going to read our passage. Our God, thank you that you've made each of us in this room and indeed every person on this campus. You fashioned us with a body and a soul and you created us in your love. And Lord, I'm afraid and everyone's afraid and everyone knows it. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us as we hear your word tonight to know what it is that we are afraid of. And so we can meet you in that fear and see what you have to say to us um, in our fearfulness. Thank you for each sister and brother in this room. Thank you for your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this is from the end of Mark chapter 4. It's on the screen. And it's in the handout too, if you want to check out there. All right, this is the word of the living God. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, to his close friends, his disciples, let us go across to the other side. They're on a huge lake. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great, calm he said to them of all the things that he could say in this moment why are you so afraid have you still no faith and they were filled with great fear that's scarier Um, and said to one another who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him lord thank you for your word speak to us we pray Amen. I wonder if you can remember a time when someone said something to you, and in the moment it seemed really harsh or mean, but then when you look back on it, you realize it was actually really kind for them to say this true thing to you. Um, maybe someone told you on picture day at school, like, hey, you have a zip, or there is something in your teeth, and you're like, uh. And then you're like, That's, I'm glad that they told me that before I took the picture. Um, maybe you were cut from a team at one point. And at the time, you just couldn't understand why, someone, why this would happen. But then later on, you realized that you weren't ready. And you couldn't have maybe hung with the team. I remember two times that someone said something to me that seemed cruel at the time. One was in sixth grade. That greatest of all years of human life. Um, which I know that everyone's experience is really great. So is mine. Um, but uh, actually, my daughter's in sixth grade, and she's crushing it. And I'm like, ow, ow. Anyway. Um, but I joined a band. It was a Marilyn Manson cover band. Um, and in sixth grade. And uh, I got a lot of story. I'd love to share it with you guys. And um, I got into the band because these guys that I, that I liked... They, uh, they needed a drummer. And I was like, I play drums? And they're like, cool. Which it's true today that I play drums, but it wasn't true in sixth grade that I had ever played drums in my life. <laughs> and so I was kicked out of the band, and at the time it seemed really embarrassing and cruel, but they actually saved me from really being embarrassed by trying to play um, with them. The second time that I remember was when my college girlfriend said no when I proposed to her. Um, but everyone's like, that's a true story and hey look y'all, I'm standing here today and everything is just fine so you will be okay, um, take it from me and at the time I was just like so crushed because it seemed like I thought for sure, I mean you usually don't propose if you think the person might say no, um, but she did and I was afraid of her saying no, and it felt harsh, but in retrospect, I looked at it and said, I really should have been afraid of the kind of husband I would have been to her if she had said yes, and she actually had her priorities straight. Sometimes we find out that what we are afraid of um, when we are told something that feels harsh or cruel, we find out later that actually there's something that we should have been more afraid of. And we didn't think of it at the time. And Jesus has a word for us here in this passage that feels harsh at first. um, But is actually very healing. And it's this. The solution to our fears and anxieties, which are many, is not to like overcome them or to diminish them. But actually to discover something that's more frightening than the things that we are already afraid of. The cure to our fears is actually to have a greater fear of something else. That maybe we aren't frightened enough. Um, This happens in my house with with my kids. Um, If we watch something scary, and it seems scary, like we're watching the new Rings of Power show, and there's some scary parts, it's also amazing. You should watch it. Um, but if one of my kids is scared, then one of my other kids will say, this isn't nearly as scary as Jurassic Park. I've seen Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park is way scarier than that. And they be like, oh, but I've seen Stranger Things and you haven't seen it. And this is Stranger Things is way scarier than this. Jesus is saying you need to find something to be more afraid of. And here's here's what that means. If you if you think about the scene in this passage, Jesus is with a bunch of people out on a huge lake. The lake is so big that when you're out in the middle of it, it's like you're in the ocean. You can't see the side, and it's evening, and a huge storm comes up, and the boat starts to fill with water. What that means is that these people were certainly going to die. There was no chance that anyone in this boat was going to, to live. There's no outboard motor that they could cut on and, like, zip to the, you know, shore. There was no coast guard to, like, come out with the helicopter and the cool basket and get them out of there. There was nothing that they could do. They were all going to drown. And meanwhile, their leader, who they've seen do amazing things, isn't just not doing anything, he's actually asleep. Some people, Slayton can fall asleep pretty much anywhere. I've seen it happen at Summit. Um, I don't think even the great Slayton, the great sleeper, and sleep is a gift. Um, God does a wonderful work while we sleep. Um, I don't think Slayton could fall asleep in pouring rain on the boat in the middle of the, of the sea. Yet Jesus is sleeping. And they wake him up and yell at him, we are all going to die, including you. You should care about that. If there's one thing you should care about, it's the moment that you're about to die. That's the time you should wake up. And Jesus rubs his eyes and like stretches his back and yawns and basically talks to weather he tells the waves to hush. And then it says they are immediately, everything is still and calm and quiet. Like you ever like lose like a hearing cell in your ear and for a moment, like everything goes quiet until your hearing comes back again. It's just like that on the sea. Crystal clear. And of course, that's very startling. If you were with Jesus and that happened, you would be mightily freaked out. Now, let's stop and recognize something. If you were on this boat with Jesus, you would have been crying and coming apart. This is the equivalent of being on a flight from Charlotte to Dallas. And just when you get to cruising speed, it just goes, the plane goes nose down and all the like oxygen masks deploy. And it's like, Meer! and everyone's going straight to the ground. Okay. This is the first century equivalent of that. It's objectively, legitimately sat, uh, terrifying. And imagine you're on that plane heading to your certain demise and Jesus looks at you and says, why are you so afraid? You are a coward. The word that Jesus uses is literally, why are you so cowardly? Now, I'm not one to want to critique the Lord Jesus, the Messiah of the world. Um, But my immediate thought is, Maybe a more appropriate response would be Is everyone okay? Are you doing all right? Does everyone, anyone need a hug? Because um, that was really scary. I mean, the dudes are legitimately still shaking and crying and snot running down. But instead, Jesus takes the opportunity 10 seconds after everyone was facing certain death. To say, why are you so caught up in your little world and being so cowardly? Now, Jesus would have said, is everyone okay? Can I give you a hug? If what he came for was to help us to feel better. But, much to my chagrin and constant disappointment, Jesus has not come in any way to make any of us feel better. So in this moment, when they are facing death and just recovering from the shock of certain death, he says, why are you so caught up in your little world that you are paralyzed by cowardly fear? Have you still not been caught up into a story that is bigger than your death? And then they are legitimately scared. Because this dude just made the weather change and stop. He is extremely scary. Part of what Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples, and he takes this moment to do it. It sounds harsh. But what he's saying is you are really, really afraid of dying. And that means that you are not scared enough yet. There's this passage in um, Luke's gospel in chapter 12. Where Jesus says... Sometimes it's like quoting, My man Jesus is feels like, mmm, okay. He says, My friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. He's saying, Don't be afraid of people that will kill you. And then what are they gonna do after that? And you're like, Does it matter? Now, you would think he would say, don't fear those that can kill the body. You say, instead, trust God. Because he's going to watch out for you. But he doesn't say that. He says, instead, fear him who, after he has killed you, has authority to cast you into hell. It's like, oh, okay. He's saying that be more afraid of God. Because the story with God is so much bigger even than our life and death. What he's he's calling his disciples and calling us to, if we have ears for it, is to discover a life that is bigger than your circumstances. Even bigger than life and death. And what feels like cruelty or harshness from Jesus is really, honestly, actually this gracious moment that Jesus tells us that you are not God. And we are not in control of our lives. But there is a God. And I, I, will, I will say as a Christian minister, if you think about him for a second in your heart of hearts, he's actually quite terrifying as an idea. And here's why this is good news. Because it's like, this doesn't sound pretty good so far, my friend. If our life is basically, like if the reason why we are living is to become uh, happy, contented, emotionally, sexually, and financially satisfied people then that is actually much less than what Jesus says it means to be a human being. If, if we are basically here to become happy, contented, satisfied people, Jesus says there's actually a lot more that you're missing. Like, what if the scariest prospect for your soul or for mine would actually be to get everything that we ever wanted? Like, to get the return offer, to get the grad school, to get the beautiful person that you want to be with, and get the job, and get the house, and all that. Like, what if... (laughs) I was listening to a pastor talk, and he was like, it doesn't take any training as a pastor when someone gets a really hard cancer diagnosis to go be with them. Like, you don't need any training for that. Because you can just go talk to them about Jesus. What takes a lot of, like, consecration is to... Like go to talk to someone when, when their daughter just got into Harvard and just be like, is there any way I can be praying for you during this difficult time? Like, what if the scariest prospect for our soul is actually all our wishes come true and we get everything you ever want, but then you actually still have to die? <coughs> what Jesus is calling us to is that, to discover that there's actually much, much more out there for us, That this world is actually wild and huge and God holds it all. And when we understand how very small we are in comparison, do we find our way from anxiety to faith? Kind of, what Jesus is kind of doing is what Gandalf did to, to Bilbo, second Lord of the Rings reference. And it's not really a, a thing for me, but I do love the Lord of the Rings. Um, if you remember... Bilbo is supposed to be leaving the ring for Frodo and going off on his journey. And uh, Bilbo doesn't want to leave the ring because it has a hold on him. And uh, he tells Gandalf, ah, you just want it for yourself. You're trying to steal it from me. And if you remember this scene, Gandalf actually gets really, he's like in this little hobbit hole. He gets really huge and it's like everything turns dark and scary. He's like cowering over Bilbo and he says, Bilbo Baggins! It's like a really scary voice. <laughs> And he says, I'm not here to rob you. I'm here to help you. He allows himself to get big enough for Bilbo to understand. I could rob you if I wanted to, my man. But I'm here to help you. And this is why Jesus is asleep in this boat. Jesus actually wasn't afraid of drowning. Is there a worse way to go? He wasn't afraid of drowning, but he was afraid. And if you were like, checked out for the rest of this, this is what I would love you to hear. Jesus, who identifies himself as God in human form, was maybe more terrified than anyone in this room has ever been. Because I don't think any of us have been terrified to the point of sweating blood. Jesus was terrified. This one time he was up praying in a garden in the middle of the night, the night before he went to the cross. Because he knew what was going to happen the next day and all these people that were in the boat with him, he was trying to get them to stay up with him and pray because he was so scared. It scared him to the point of extreme emotional trauma. He was afraid of the one who after he had destroyed the body had authority to cast into hell. Which is of course what happened to Jesus at the cross. He submitted himself to the one who after destroying his body could cast him into hell and he descended into hell for us at the cross. And the prospect of it terrified him, but he did it anyway. So that we could meet this huge majestic God and be rightly just in awe of all that he is and all of our circumstances seem small and yet be accepted by him Jesus saw that storm and he didn't calm it he rode into it for you and for me and for the guys in the boats who were sleeping this time when he was awake now he's the one that holds the keys to death and hell. And he didn't come to rob you. He came to help you. Um, there's this book um, by a guy named Daniel Nairi that I love and I've referenced it before. And, but I just love it. So I'm going to quote it again. It's called Everything Sad is Untrue. But he says this. Here's an interesting question that I heard once in church. Which I haven't heard a lot of those. So I, my ears are perked up. I don't hear a lot of interesting questions in church. Um, he said, can God create a mountain so big that he himself couldn't lift it? And he says, it's trying to put God in a corner because if he can or he can't, he's not all powerful. But the question is silly because it assumes God is as stupid as we are. If you're as big as God, there's no such thing as lifting. It's all just floating in a million universes you made. If you made an object that's of so insane, unusual size, and it'd still be a thing. And God is as big as everything at once and as small. Physical stuff is too simple. The better question is, can God create a law so big that he himself has to obey it? Is there an idea so big that God doesn't remember anything before it? And that answer is love. Love is the object of unusual size. There's a sense in which the love of God to you is terrifying. And it will actually terrify you out of the fear of death or the fear of the future or the fear of failure. And I, I want to tell you this as we end here. Um, I have a friend and in this last year, she, she went through a really hard thing. She lost her husband and um, she's a dear, a dear friend and her husband was a dear friend as well. And um, he died by suicide. And uh, it's been it's been—it's really hard. And so but she's a she's a big fan of Clemson football. Sorry, it's an awkward week to say that. But um, you can still be a Deke fan this weekend, even if you hear the story. I will. be. So she went to see a Clemson game. And she got to the game. And uh, this was a few months after her husband had died. And she went out to get in her seat. And she just became overwhelmed with what she was experiencing, as you can imagine. And so she sort of left, and she went into the, um, you know, like the concourse area, like where the all the food and everything is. And she was really emotional, and she went to stand and get some fresh air, like kind of on the overhang. And she was crying, and there was a really drunk guy next to her. And um, as you do at Clemson football games, and uh, he was like, "Hey, you all right?" He was smoking a cigarette. And, um, and she was like, nah, I'm just, um, having a hard time. And he's like, what's, what's wrong? You know, people is like real close, you know, real close. And she was like, I just lost my husband. And he was like, oh man, so sorry. Was it the COVID? (laughs) And she was like, uh, no, no, he actually, uh, he actually died by suicide. And he was like, oh, man. You know, he was like kind of wobbling a little bit. Man. And he just said, bring bring it in. Bring it in. (laughs) And she did. And, like, he embraced her in his drunk cigarette embrace. And, like, held her, and she told me later, she was like, it was like God sent an angel for me at this game. I felt the embrace of God. And that God knew exactly what I needed in this moment. The reason I tell you that story with this, they both in that moment understood that there is much bigger and scarier stuff than like This football game that's going on, the circumstances of our life, that they actually are tremendously connected and that they have love to share and that God is real. And what I want you to hear Jesus saying to us tonight is that, y'all, there is a lot more in who you are and who God is than the things that that we are anxious about. And God wants to free you to give more and to receive more. So let's pray. Uh, our Lord Jesus, um, I, Lord, uh, with trembling, I say thank you for not coming to make us feel better. Instead, thank you for coming to rescue us from our own destruction. Thank you for coming to give us a life that is a lot more interesting than the one that we would choose for ourselves. That's a lot scarier and like a lot, a lot more like potentially traumatizing. Um, but it's real. Um, thank you for that. Um, Lord, I know that I I want to experience you in a way that it makes dying in a boat in the middle of the sea seem like small. And I want that for each of us, Lord, because I know that you made us and only you can set us free from ourselves and from our fears. So, Lord Jesus, speak to each of us. Draw us out and into your love that object of unusual size. I pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Let's sing another song. (laughs)